Long history. Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana. Part 4. The Case for El Dorado. Welcome to Long History, where we take source documents from history and split them up into chunks of around 10 minutes. If you've listened to brief histories and crave something with a bit more detail, you've found your place. Now the document we're covering here is a rather eccentric document about Sir Walter Raleigh's search for the legendary El Dorado. That's the area around today's Venezuela. Sir Walter Raleigh wants to impress Queen Elizabeth of England and to make a case for an English conquest of the area. The document was written by Sir Walter Raleigh himself. And this is episode 4 of an 18-part series, so the first three episodes are just a few taps and clicks away, I'm sure. And don't forget to subscribe to be informed of the release of the other parts of this document. And in that way you'll find out some of the strange details in the search for El Dorado. In the previous episode, Raleigh finally set off on his expedition, well, well, sort of. He crossed the Atlantic and arrived in Trinidad Island, where, taking advantage of local rivalries, he took over a place called St. Joseph from the Spanish. This episode begins with Raleigh explaining to the local people of Trinidad how his powerful queen, his cacique, wants to help them against the Spanish. He then gathers all the information he can from the captive Spanish captain called Berreo, and then Raleigh sets off, heading to the South American mainland and then hundreds of miles inland along the Orinoco River. However, just as we thought the journey was finally getting going proper, Walter Raleigh then interrupts his own narrative with an explanation of what the Spanish have said about Guyana, and about the potential riches that can be gained by the person lucky enough to reach and conquer El Dorado. So this is where the narrative gets a bit strange and complicated, as Raleigh seems to abandon his own account of his journey, instead quoting some previous Spanish descriptions of the area. In this way he tries to prove his case for the existence of this immensely wealthy place called El Dorado. So here we go with Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana, Part 4, The Case for El Dorado. We then hasted away towards our purpose discovery, and first I called all the captains of the island together that were enemies to the Spaniards, for there were some which Berrio had brought out of other countries and planted there to eat out and waste those who were natural of the place. And by my Indian interpreter, which I carried out of England, I made them understand that I was a servant of a queen who was the great cacique of the north and a virgin and had more cacique under her than there were trees in that island, that she was an enemy to the Castellani in respect of their tyranny and oppression and that she delivered all such nations about her as were by them oppressed. And having freed all the coast of the northern world from their servitude, it sent me to free them also and withal to defend the country of Guyana from their invasion and conquest. I showed them Her Majesty's picture, which they so admired and honoured, as it had been easy to have brought them idolatrous thereof. The like, and a more large discourse I made to the rest of the nations, both in my passing to Guyana and to those of the borders, so as in that part of the world Her Majesty is very famous and admirable, whom they now call Ezra Beta Casipuna Akerewana which is as much as Elizabeth the Great Princess or Great Commander. This done, we left Puerto de los Españoles and returned to Curiapan, and having Berreo my prisoner, I gathered from him as much of Guyana as he knew. This Berreo is a gentleman well descended, and had long served the Spanish king in Milan, Naples and the Low Countries, and elsewhere, very valiant and liberal, and a gentleman of great assuredness and of great heart. I used him according to his estate and worth in all things I could, 
according to the small means I had. I sent Captain Widden the year before to get what knowledge he could of Guyana, and the end of my journey at this time was to discover and enter the same. But my intelligence was far from truth, for the country is situate about 600 English miles further from the sea than I was made to believe it had been, which, afterwards understanding to be true by Berreo, I kept it from the knowledge of my company, who else would never have been brought to attempt the same, of which 600 miles I passed 400, leaving my ships so far from me at anchor in the sea, which was more of desire to perform that discovery than of reason, especially having such poor and weak vessels to transport ourselves in. For in the bottom of an old galego, which I caused to be fashioned like a galley, and in one barge, two wherries and a ship-boat of the lion's whelp, we carried one hundred persons and their victuals for a month in the same, being all driven to lie in the rain and weather in the open air, in the burning sun, and upon the hard boards, and to dress our meat, and to carry all manner of furniture in them. Wherewith, they were so pestered and unsavoury, that what with victuals being most fish, with the wet clothes of so many men thrust together and the heat of the sun, I will undertake there was never any prison in England that could be found more unsavoury and loathsome, especially to myself who had for many years before been dieted and cared for in a sort far more differing. If Captain Preston had not been persuaded that he should have come too late to Trinidad to have found us there, for the month was expired which I promised to tarry for him there ere he could recover the coast of Spain, but that it had pleased God he might have joined with us, and that we had entered the country but some ten days sooner, ere the rivers were overflown, we had adventured either to have gone to the great city of Manoa, or at least taken so many of the other cities and towns nearer at hand, as would have made a royal return. Ah, but it pleased not God so much to favour me at this time. If it shall be my lot to prosecute the same, I shall willingly spend my life therein. And if any else shall be enabled thereunto and conquer the same, I assure him thus much. He shall perform more than ever was done in Mexico by Cortes, or in Peru by Pizarro, whereof the one conquered the empire of Montezuma, the other of Guascar and Atabalipa. And whatsoever prince shall possess it, that prince shall be lord of more gold, and of a more beautiful empire, and of more cities and people, than either the King of Spain or the Great Turk. Ah, but because there arise many doubts, and how this empire of Guyana has become so populous and adorned with so many great cities, towns, temples and treasures, I thought good to make it known that the emperor, now reigning, is descended from those magnificent princes of Peru, of whose large territories, of whose policies, conquests, edifices and riches, Pedro de Ciesa, Francisco Lopez and others have written large discourses. For, when Francisco Pizarro, Diego Almagro and others conquered the said empire of Peru, and had put to death Atabalipa, son to Guaynacapac, which Atabalipa had formerly caused his elder brother Guascar to be slain, one of the younger sons of Guaynacapac fled out of Peru, and took with him many thousands of those soldiers of the empire called Orejones, having large ears the name given by the Spaniards to the Peruvian warriors who wore ear pendants. And with those and many others which followed him, he vanquished all that tract and valley of America which is situate between the great river of Amazons and Baracan, otherwise called Orinoque and Maranon, 
Paracan is the alternative name to Orinoque, Maranon to Amazons. The Empire of Guyana is directly east from Peru towards the sea, and lieth under the equinoctial line, and it hath more abundance of gold than any part of Peru, and as many or more great cities than ever Peru had when it flourished most. It is governed by the same laws, and the emperor and people observe the same religion, and the same form and policies in government as were used in Peru, not differing in any part. And I have been assured by such of the Spaniards as have seen Manoa, the imperial city of Guyana, which the Spaniards call El Dorado, that for the greatness, for the riches, and for the excellent seat, it far exceedeth any of the world, at least so much of the world as is known to the Spanish nation. It is founded upon a lake of salt water of 200 leagues long, like unto Mare Caspium. And if we compare it to that of Peru, but read the report of Francisco Lopez and others, it will seem more than credible. And because we may judge of the one by the other, I thought it good to insert part of the 120th chapter of Lopez in his general history of the Indies, wherein he describeth the court and magnificence of Guayna Capac, ancestor to the emperor of Guyana, whose very words are these. The text is initially quoted in Spanish here, but I'll just give the English. That is, all the vessels of his house, table and kitchen were of gold and silver, and the meanest of silver and copper for strength and hardness of metal. He had in his wardrobe hollow statues of gold which seemed giants, and the figures in proportion and bigness of all the beasts, birds, trees and herbs that the earth bringeth forth, and of all the fishes that the sea or waters of his kingdom breedeth. He had also ropes, budgets, chests, and troughs of gold and silver, heaps of billets of gold, that seemed wood marked out, split into logs to burn. Finally, there was nothing in this country whereof he had not the counterfeit in gold. Yea, and they say, the Ingers had a garden of pleasure in an island near Puna, where they went to recreate themselves, when they would take the air of the sea which had all kinds of garden herbs, flowers and trees of gold and silver, an invention and magnificence till then never seen. Besides all this, he had an infinite quantity of silver and gold unwrought in Cusco, which was lost by the death of Guascar, for the Indians hid it, seeing that the Spaniards took it and sent it into Spain. And in the 117th chapter, Francisco Pizarro caused the gold and silver of Atabalipa to be weighed after he had taken it, which Lopez set us down in these words following. So again, the Spanish text is quoted first, but I'll just give the English here. Which is, they found 52,000 marks of good silver and 1,326,500 pesos of gold. Now although these reports may seem strange, yet if we consider the many millions which are daily brought out of Peru into Spain, we may easily believe the same. For we find that by the abundant treasure of that country, the Spanish king vexes all the princes of Europe, and is become in a few years, from a poor king of Castile, the greatest monarch of this part of the world, and likely every day to increase if other princes foreslow the good occasions offered and suffer him to add this empire to the rest, which by far exceedeth all the rest. If his gold now endanger us, he will then be unresistable. 
such of the Spaniards as afterwards endeavoured the conquest thereof, whereof there have been many, as shall be declared hereafter, thought that this Inca, of whom the emperor now living is descended, took his way by the river of Amazons, by that branch which is called Papamene. For by that way followed Orellana by the commandment of Gonzalo Pizarro in the year 1542, whose name the river also beareth to this day, which is also by others called Maranon, although Andrew Thevet doth affirm that between Maranon and Amazons there are 120 leagues, but sure it is that those rivers have one head and beginning, and the Maranon, which Thevet describeth, is but a branch of Amazons or Orellana, of which I will speak more in another place. It was attempted by Ordaz, but it is now little less than seventy years since that Diego Ordaz, a knight of that order of Santiago, attempted the same, and it was in the year 1542 that Orellana discovered the river of Amazons. Now as we end this section there are a lot of names, so I'll just summarise what's happening here. Just as Raleigh begins his journey proper in this text, he takes a digression and basically begins to make his case once again for conquering Guyana. This tangent goes a bit into the history of Peru, which has been conquered by the Spanish, and that conquering in particular involved the death of Atabalipa, the leader of the Incas. With his death, to paraphrase complicated history, the Spanish overtook Peru and the Incas. And what Raleigh is saying here is that to the east of the Incas, there is an even greater empire, as yet undiscovered and as yet unconquered, and this empire, which we might paraphrase as El Dorado, is almost ridiculously wealthy. And then what Raleigh does is he tries to make his case again for where this place called El Dorado is. He lists rivers and tributaries, saying that it's in a vague kind of area that we never quite know. As this episode ends, he says that a man called Ordaz attempted to explore the area some 70 years ago. So what Raleigh is saying basically is that it's now time to explore it again and he'll go into more depth about that in the next episode. But the point I wanted to make is not to get overwhelmed by all the details and names here. Because ultimately all the evidence Raleigh is giving here is, is kind of false. He doesn't know where El Dorado is, he doesn't actually know that there's a kingdom to the east of Peru. And do you know what? Ultimately we know that there wasn't a kingdom to the east of Peru. So what perhaps makes this interesting is that here we're at the cutting edge of exploration of a man who wants, wants so hard to find wealth and wants all this to be true. In the next episode, however, Raleigh will give us the most convincing case for El Dorado yet by recounting the tale of a man who had visited that place. So thanks everyone for listening to this episode. In whatever means possible, if you can give it a like or share it before you go, that would really help me spread the word of long history. This rather bizarre tale is well underway now and it's going to get even more bizarre. So thank you for listening to Sir Walter Raleigh's The Discovery of Guyana, Part 4, The Case for El Dorado. Goodbye.